Well, I am guessing that your experience on these Sunday mornings is very much like mine when we're sitting here wanting with all our hearts to sing. And in fact, last Sunday, when we were listening, or supposed to be listening, I just started singing, and I, I kind of looked at my wife and went, oops, I'm not supposed to do that right now. And this morning, I realized that even though there is something in us that wants to sing, what a good thing it is to have truth sung over us. Um, just a few songs ago, when we were hearing that even in the valley, you are faithful, you're working for our good. I tell you, I need to hear that truth. I think we all need to hear that truth. Uh, and then this song that they just sang a couple, I think about a week or so ago, Steve came to me and said, hey, I think I got a song for our Proverbs series, and that was it. And so, Steve, I'm looking forward to, I hope somewhere in these next few weeks we can sing that together. I think it's right on. This past uh, Tuesday, the pastoral team and the admin team gathered in the lobby, and we had just a wonderful lunch together, and the occasion for that lunch was the celebration of Kathy Warren's last day as an employee here uh, at Crossway. Kathy has served this church so faithfully and so well for 12 uh, plus years. She and her husband Dick have been members of this church, I think, for, I want to say, 15 or 16 years. And one of the things that we realized this past Tuesday is that Kathy is the first person ever to retire from Crossway. Um, others have obviously moved on, uh, but Kathy is the first to retire. And so we took some time on Tuesday, each one of us to share with her our appreciation and gratitude and words like faithful and steady and efficient and fun and funny and warm and cheerful just kept getting used over and over again. She has been a great blessing to this church we had the opportunity in the first service to have her stand and to recognize her. I told her at that point, I wish we could all be together to do that. So when you see Kathy, they'll be around. But when you see her uh, in the days to come, just thank her. Maybe you even might want to write her a little note. Um, she has served this church so well. All right. Now, would you all please take your Bibles and turn with me once again this morning to the book of Proverbs and find chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. We're going to look at just one verse again this morning. Verse 2. And children, you should have a worksheet with a picture of a little girl on it who looks like maybe she said something that she ought not to have said. That's for you. You can use that throughout the message this morning. And I want to issue just a little bit of a warning to all of us this morning. Um, I chose these Proverbs that we're looking at over these next several weeks. I chose them a few months ago. So they've been circling around in my brain. And as a result, they come to my mind, not infrequently. And because of all that's going on in the world and in our lives and how that is affecting us, I've had many conversations over these past weeks and this proverb has come up in those conversations multiple times. So, it would be possible for some with whom I've had conversation to think, he's aiming this sermon at me. And I just want to say very clearly, I'm not, at least not exclusively, at you. 
if I'm aiming it, if that's even a right way to speak, I'm aiming it at all of us. Because this is a place, I'm afraid, every one of us sins regularly. And it would be good if we stopped sinning, or at least sinned a little less in this area. Last week, after I preached from Proverbs chapter 11 about how God hates dishonest scales, but just weights are a delight to him, I had a few people communicate that they felt conviction after hearing that message last week. And if you experience that, praise God. I mean, conviction is a good thing. Conviction is very different from condemnation. Conviction is a gift, and it's always, always accompanied by hope, which condemnation is not. So I don't know how many people experienced that to some degree last week, but I'm, I'm sure I'll be really surprised if most of us don't feel some conviction this morning. And if there is, in fact, sin in this area, well, feeling conviction is good. Because through his clear moral instruction, God is calling us out of our sin and away from its damaging effects both on ourselves and on those around us. Listen, I want to be ever so clear in this series on this. I'm operating on the conviction that this book, these Proverbs, are really useful. All Scripture, all Scripture is breathed out by God, and it is profitable. It's useful. God means this for our good. Clear moral instruction is a gift. So let's read just this one verse, Proverbs 18, verse 2. This is God's Word. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding but only in expressing his opinion. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Let's pray together. God, we need your help once again this morning. I pray that you would help us not to harden our hearts or stiffen our necks, Give us humble hearts, Lord, receptive hearts, eager hearts, so that we might benefit from this somewhat bracing and yet really useful instruction. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me begin, like I did last week, with a story, a parable for everyone, young and old. Once upon a time, a long time ago, there was a man named Jacob bar Ephraim. Jacob was a carpenter, really a jack-of-all-trades who worked and provided services for the good people of the little village of Emmaus, just a few miles west of the city of Jerusalem. And Jacob's shop was part of a small gathering of shops his was right next to his brother Joseph's blacksmith shop, and right across from the Benoni butcher shop, where his neighbor Abraham did business. 
In fact, just that week, his neighbor, Abraham Benoni, had brought his wagon limping into Jacob's shop yard, the front axle broken and one of the wheels about to fall off. And while Abraham was explaining what happened, they got to talking about the condition of the road between Emmaus and Jerusalem, and Abraham began to complain about the officials responsible that didn't seem to care. Words were spoken about taxes and inefficiencies and so on. And Jacob had gotten real quiet as Abraham was talking. You see, Jacob's father sat on the village council that was responsible for keeping up the main road leading into and out of Emmaus. And Jacob was pretty sure Abraham knew that. So, after just listening and then a period of awkward silence, Jacob said, so, you want me to fix your axle? They worked out the details, and Jacob told Abraham that he should be able to have it done within three days. He had another cart to finish that day. Tomorrow was Shabbat. And then he thought he'd be able to get at Abraham's wagon first thing the day after Sabbath. But after Abraham left, Jacob couldn't get Abraham's comments out of his mind. He thought about them again and again, and then he began to stew about them. What did he mean by that? What was he really saying? Was, was he making a jab at my father? Was he making a jab at me? And on it went in Jacob's mind until Jacob began to consider what he would say in response to Abraham's unkind and unthoughtful and probably intentionally malicious comments. As the day wore on and even into the evening, Jacob imagined the conversation he would have when Abraham came back to get his wagon and how he would let him know in no uncertain terms that he didn't appreciate what he'd said and if he didn't like it, he could find somebody else to fix his wagon. He had it all worked out, what he'd say in his mind. But then, in the wonderfully kind providence of God... As Jacob sat in synagogue the next day, the rabbi opened up the scroll containing the writings and finding the book of Proverbs opened to chapter 18 and began to read, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. There was a pause and then Jacob heard these words and they fell like a weight on his heart. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. And immediately, he felt something piercing his spirit, and he knew what God was calling him to do. To lay down his premeditated words and to humbly ask his neighbor and friend, you know, Abraham, the other day you said something about the village officials and I may have misunderstood you. Can you tell me what you were trying to say? Friends, listen to what God is saying in his word. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. A fool. We've met this guy already, right? He's the guy back in chapter 1 who actually despises wisdom 
and instruction. And here God says, instead of seeking understanding, the fool just talks. He just speaks his mind. A fool doesn't really care about understanding what someone said or understanding that person or understanding the situation. He or she just wants to share their opinion in which they are very confident. You see, what you see represented in this proverb is actually basically two options. And we have to choose between these two options many times on any given day. Option A, the option this proverb is clearly endorsing, work at understanding, take time to understand, even take pleasure in the goodness of actually understanding someone. That doesn't mean you will agree on everything, but you purpose to understand and you see the goodness of it and the rightness of it. That's one option. Let's call it option A. Or we can choose option B, which this proverb explicitly describes and clearly condemns. You can just bypass understanding and just voice your opinion. And again, it's very clear which option God is saying he wants his people to choose. Seeking understanding before speaking reflects something that is very precious to God and very important to God. And I want to show you this morning how option A, seeking understanding and not just expressing our opinion, reflects what is pleasing to God. There are four things that option A embodies, four things that option A represents, all of which are pleasing to God. So let's walk through them this morning one by one. First, option A is an act of self-restraint, self-control. Seeking understanding instead of just expressing our opinion is an act of self-restraint, self-control. You see, what God is calling us to means we have to ask questions and listen. It means we need to wait to speak, or as the book of James puts it, and by the way, the book of James is often thought of as the Proverbs of the New Testament, but James tells us, let each of us be quick to listen, slow to speak, and that requires self-control, to actually choose not to say something. Look with me for a moment just at the verses just above chapter 18, at the end of chapter 17, look at verse 27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Now that phrase, cool spirit, doesn't mean what we think it means. Uh, It it means the opposite of a hot temper, a person who's able to exercise control. And then look at verse 28. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Now, all sorts of things could be said about that verse, but the point is clear, right? Even a fool who doesn't act like a fool is beginning to move towards wisdom. You know, it's amazing to me how many Proverbs urge restraint when it comes to our speech, self-control with our words. 
Option A embodies, it represents, it is an act of self-restraint, which we know from another source is pleasing to God. Second, option A from Proverbs 18.2 is an act of understanding. Seeking understanding instead of just expressing our opinion is an act of understanding. Now, I recognize that sounds redundant, but I'm, I'm trying to get at something here. Remember back in chapter 1? In fact, just flip back to chapter 1 with me for a moment. Solomon begins his book of Proverbs. There's this little introduction we looked at two weeks ago. Proverbs chapter 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb. You hear this word, understanding, and it's used along with words like wisdom and instruction. It's not exactly synonymous, but it's, it's part of that package. And then look at chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Do you hear this? God is offering this book with the purpose, the aim of making his people, people of understanding. People who are characterized by a way of thinking, a way of living. They possess understanding. Understanding wisdom characterizes them. Now, let me show you something. Flip over to chapter 20 and look at verse 5. You'll see this throughout the book of Proverbs, but I just want to show you one particular example. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 5. The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. You see this? A person characterized by understanding, he purposes, he pursues what is in another person's heart. He seeks to understand them. Seeking to understand someone is an embodiment of wisdom, of understanding. When you choose option A, it is a demonstration that you possess wisdom. You are a person of understanding, a man, a woman of understanding. Unlike our fool who takes no delight in understanding someone else, only in expressing his own opinion. You see, option A... From Proverbs 18.2, embodies, it represents, it is an act of understanding, which we know from another source is pleasing to God. Third, option A is an act of humility. Seeking understanding instead of just expressing our opinions is an act of humility. Now, I suppose this is obvious, right? But it shouldn't go without saying. Seeking to understand 
instead of just speaking your mind, is considering someone else before yourself, which, which is a major way that humility gets expressed. I mean, we know the verses here, right? Romans chapter 12, verse 10, in honor, preferring one another. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, in humility, consider others before yourselves. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So it's an act of humility to, to do what this proverb is calling us to because it honors others first. But it's also an act of humility because it reflects a sober assessment of ourselves. It acknowledges my opinion is not always reliable. Sometimes my opinion is just plain wrong. Listen, let, let's, let's be real current here, all right? I know that we all have our thoughts and opinions about COVID and about how we should be responding as a church to COVID. And obviously, we need to work through all of that. But if we fail to realize that there's something bigger than COVID going on, something more important to God, and if we don't come out of this without being humbled a little bit, my goodness, we will have missed something really big. There are few things more Christian than humility, than a posture of humility. And option A from Proverbs 18.2 embodies, it represents, it is an act of humility which we know from another source is very pleasing to God. Now, fourth, option A from Proverbs 18.2 is an act not just of self-restraint, not just of understanding, not just of humility. Option A is an act of love. Seeking understanding instead of just expressing our opinions is an act of love. Now, actually, if truth be told, both option A and option B are acts of love. It's just that option B, what this proverb describes, is an act of self-love. It's a case of loving yourself and loving your opinion. Option A, what this proverb promotes, is actually loving someone else. Yes, it takes time. Yes, it takes energy. But to make a little closer to the point, option A takes patience and kindness and love, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, is patient and kind. Option A isn't arrogant or rude, and love, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, is not arrogant or rude. Option A doesn't insist on its own way, and love, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us, does not insist on its own way. Seeking to understand someone is a concrete act of love, which we know from another source is very pleasing to God. Option A, what Proverbs 18.2 is calling us to, seeking understanding and not just expressing our opinion, it is four things. It's an act of self-restraint. It's an act of understanding. It's an act of humility. It's an act of love. All of those are pleasing to God. So let's, let's bring this real close in to our lives. 
I have four brief points of application. Number one, when something is said about something you care about, and you maybe find yourself with a different view of things, make sure you seek understanding of what God said. Do not pass judgment on people without talking to them. Go and seek understanding. Maybe you'll find out that someone you think is being fearful is actually caring for an elderly parent and doesn't want to put them at risk. And it'd be good for you to know that. Or maybe you'll find out that someone you think is being too dismissive of precautions and wants to regather sooner is actually volunteering to help wipe down all the hard surfaces to make it safer for everyone to gather. And it'd be good for you to know that. Listen, Satan loves division. Seeking understanding builds and it strengthens unity. And even if it ends up after talking that you disagree, submit that disagreement to the Lord and don't let it divide you. God sees. He knows whether you're right or wrong, but he delights in your prioritizing of the unity and fellowship of his body over your position on something that is secondary in nature. Second, application number two, be particularly careful on social media. Be particularly careful on social media. Now, you know what I want to say here. What I want to say is seriously reconsider the value of engaging in social media. But that's just my opinion, and this proverb tells me to not just express my opinion. So I'll exercise self-restraint and just say, be particularly careful about expressing your opinion on social media. Do not contribute to divisive conversation online. Social media is a particularly fertile ground for this kind of sinning And all of the normal restraints are gone. So it doesn't take much courage at all to express your opinion on social media. There is so much opportunity for grandstanding or smugness or all sorts of things with virtually no accountability. I tell you, I'm not a prophet, but it's very clear to me. It requires restraint and understanding and humility and love to be on social media well. And as with everything else, the real battlefield is your heart, so above all, guard your heart. Number three, application number three. As you read through the Proverbs during these two months, please notice how often these four characteristics, self-restraint, understanding, humility, and love get applied to our speech. Take note of that as you read through the Proverbs, and then choose 
maybe one proverb that you feel is particularly pertinent for you and memorize it. Maybe write it out and put it someplace that you can see it regularly. We did this as a family many years ago. Um, I had us as a family, Beverly and I and our three children, all memorize Proverbs 12, 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Now, I don't know exactly how much effect that's had, but I know it's had an effect, a good effect. It's made us a little more careful in our speech, and when we have sinned in this way, it makes us more aware of the effects of our sinning. So, hide God's Word in your heart and let God use that to help you not sin. Now, last, number four, and maybe you've anticipated this. Maybe you noticed I was seeding this all throughout the message this morning. All of these characteristics, every one of them, they're all Jesus-like. All of these characteristics, self-restraint, Think about Jesus before Pilate, who spoke not a word. Understanding. Think about Jesus in his interactions with everybody. Humility. Think about Jesus in his incarnation, who did not consider equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself and made himself a servant, even humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. And love, oh my goodness. All of these have the aroma of Jesus about them. Friends, Proverbs 18.2 isn't just some moralism from Solomon, as if Solomon is just some ancient, you know, Ben Franklin. No, this is a gift from God. A gift of clear instruction from God who is absolutely committed to conforming us more and more to the image of his dear son. So, application number four, receive this. Receive Proverbs 18.2. It's a gift from God to his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you. Um, for your goodness to us so many ways. Thank you for the gift of your Son who is life to us. Thank you for the gift of faith. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Spirit in us who helps us to receive your Word and to apply it. Thank you for the gift of conviction. God, help us to see that as a good gift. And Father, thank you for the hope that you always attach to conviction. That there is a way here for us to walk that is pleasing and good and healthy and right. Father, thank you for this particular proverb. I pray you would suit it to our souls, our minds, our hearts in such a way that we will benefit from it and be pleasing to you. That is our desire, and we ask for help in Jesus' name.
Amen.